Oh, man, I just lost a chunk of my nest egg in the market whipsaw. Oh, sorry to hear that. Looks like I'll be wearing a yellow apron well into my 70s. Welcome to Wall... Hey, don't get down. Get educated. Listen to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby Sundays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. What did you learn? How not to go backwards with the market, my friend, and have the opportunity to move forward with market growth. That's exactly what I need. So learn about your financial power with the Total Financial Hour Sundays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on AM870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arif Halaby. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being part of the show. I'm Eric Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour, talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for your future. That's what it's all about. Does it make sense in our financial life to, to follow, I don't know, social media when you're planning for retirement? Does it make sense to uh, follow your local everyday expert in cooking or gaming or right? You would say, no. I mean, those guys are experts in what they do. That's nice. They're good at, at their job. They're they're great, in fact, because people pay them. So that's nice. But why would I follow them in some of these other areas of life? Well, very simply, they're called influencers. I know for for this for us over forty crowd, you know, an influencer might have been you know the name of the paddle that your grandparents kept in the cupboard or the name of of your grandpa's belt or your dad's belt on his on his uh, waist but that is not an influencer the influencer if you will is somebody who gives an opinion has some credibility in that opinion and then turns around and shares it with you and says hey this is a great idea i think you should do it too and for many of you you go okay yeah well i like that i think it's a great idea well, here's what happens. Uh, sometimes their opinions are amazing. I, I don't know, but I'm going to guess that Ms. Kardashian was probably one of the first influencers. Shopping at this store, everybody goes to that store. Uh, picking up this brand of baby stroller, oh my gosh, I have to have the same brand of baby stroller. So often people will, will send you things. We had a client who played in a, a big-time rock band. Uh, the singer that he played for, in fact, was uh, real famous. She played on, still to this day, very famous. But big in the 90s, big in the early 2000s, mid-2000s. And uh, I was at his house once, and he had just come back from a tour. And in his house, he had boxes of UPS and, and FedEx deliveries, just boxes of them. I said, what's this? He said, well, companies will send me their shoes. They'll send me their T-shirts and they'll do that so that when I'm on stage or filming the next video, music video, th- that I would be wearing their clothes and they can point and say, see, 
If he likes us, you must like us. So he had two closets full of shirts and pants and shoes, hats, bandanas. I mean, it was incredible. Uh, and most of it, I don't know, maybe 90%, everything just about that I saw was still in its box or its packages, its original. Because you just can't wear all that stuff, right? You can only take so much on the road or on a tour. So he ended up with countless amounts of extra things. He'd give them away to friends and family and people. But that's an influencer, right? You'd look and say, oh, my favorite rock star is wearing that brand of shoes. I want a pair. Okay, well, now that we understand what an influencer is, again, could be your uncle, could be your brother, says, hey, you should go to that restaurant. It's a great place. You go, wow, my brother's never been wrong about food. That's the place to go, right? You might hear me say, oh, I love Lebanese food, Arabic food. Well, our family owns Carnival Restaurant over in Sherman Oaks on Woodman and, and Moore Park, Woodman and uh, uh, Ventura Boulevard. It's part of our my cousins and, and relatives. Amazing place, 40 years. If you've been to Carnival, you know what I'm saying. It's the best food. Dennis Prager calls it the best hummus outside of Tel Aviv. I've been to Tel Aviv, so I disagree with him. I think it's the best hummus, period. But, you know, listen, we can disagree. I'm not an influencer on hummus. <laughs> Maybe he is, I guess. But when I talk about this as a an opportunity for you to understand this whole influencer thing, I think you need to look at one big issue. When somebody on social media tries to influence you on what stocks to buy or to trade or get rich quick things, I think you need to think twice. The SEC has just uh, arrested numerous people in what's called a pump and dump scheme, and it was a bunch of influencers. So here's what they did. They went along and they said, we are going to utilize our skill set our relationship in the world of gaming and other areas and we're going to do a pump and dump scheme. So eight social media influencers were charged by the SEC in a $100 million fraud case. So let me explain to you what this means. I'm not going to go into these people's names because they haven't been convicted yet. So if they are, you know, usually what happens, by the way, in this kind of a thing is they almost never get convicted. They just plea out because you have U.S. government, countless dollars, unlimited amounts of attorneys they can hire, relatively speaking. And then there's you. How cute. So sweet. <laughs> so for a lot of these people, they don't really try to give it a shot as, as defending themselves, or, or they almost always go bankrupt. And I will tell you, being on that side of the equation in a few different uh, high-profile cases, not, the, not necessarily a pump-and-dump scheme, but high-profile cases, the, attorney gen- the, the U.S. attorneys, the assistant U.S. attorneys, the district attorneys, they know this. They know. They know that, you, that they're going to uh, lawyer fee you into the ground. Is that right? I don't know. I, I don't think it is, but it's what they do. Um, and sometimes these guys are bad guys, and we almost don't care, but the Constitution is a lot bigger than any one good or bad guy, right? So here's what happens. Uh, these guys have at least 100,000 Twitter followers, as well as a few other platforms out there. And the criminal charges against these eight individuals has been filed because they go into these little chat rooms 
and they go out, which is uh, often for just gaming folks, right? They also have regular Twitter Twitter accounts, and they tout the amazing uh, experimental uh, treatment that's coming out with the next company. Well, let's back up. Here's what they do. They find a company that's it's called a penny stock, one, two, three cents, whatever the price is. Sometimes, well, in this, in this particular case, it's alleged they coordinated ahead of time. And you bought $10,000, I bought 10000 he bought 10000 So we bought enough, a lot of these shares. And then we talk it up amongst us. And then I use your uh, article as proof that it's going up. And then you use mine. And then I cite yours. And, and this circle of pumping up the value of the company when, in fact, nothing is changing with the company. It isn't getting better. It isn't producing any new products or services or customers aren't knocking the doors down. It's just the same company as it was. So when you look at the amount of dollars that have passed through this, it's because they're alleging along the way in this in this argument and in a normal pump and dump scheme, right? It's simple. You talk about it. I talk about it. We tell people to buy. You'd be crazy if you didn't buy. This is amazing. You should you should go out and purchase this right away. And all of a sudden, people do. And then, of course, the person who put in ten thousand dollars, it's now worth a hundred or five hundred thousand. And he or she sells it to the uh, they they called them right. They called them effing idiots. That's what they called them. That, that that's what these folks called them. And see, the SEC is part of the federal government. I don't know if people know that, Securities Exchange Commission. So surprise, guess what they did? They pulled behind the scenes all of your texts, your private uh, instant messaging, all of your emails. They even tapped phone calls and found out that through these recordings that these eight people were influencing people, pressuring, convincing lying to people to purchase these penny stocks. I need you to know this because a lot of you behind the scenes will come to me when you come in and I said, great, let's take a look at the risk profile. How much risk are you looking for? Is there one account you want me to look at? Tell me about this. We go through this process and in the end you say, oh, but I had this $10,000 sitting here in a, uh, you know, in a penny stock. I said, okay, well, what do you know about it? Well, they do research into... Uh, splitting the atom and uh, putting it in cars so they can ride forever. Okay, well, maybe. I, you know, Listen, I'm not a science guy, so I, I don't know 100% that, that this sounds, it doesn't sound great, but maybe, maybe it's happening. So I always ask you this. Can you afford to lose everything in that? Because it's one of the riskiest investments, besides giving it to your brother-in-law, who's going to you know, build a motorcycle shop, right? Besides that, this is probably the riskiest investment you'll ever have because the chance of winning big on it is very, very low. I don't know the numbers. I'm going to tell you my experience. 95, 98% of the time, it's a scam or it's certainly not worth what you paid for. Uh, and the company just goes away, disappears. So, and they take your money. They file bankruptcy and they take your money. So just be careful. Right, social influencers, Twitter. Uh, there's a few others that are out there. They're talking about Reddit and Substack as potential platforms that people can be involved with, start pushing, start promoting, and pushing up a stock that's worthless. You want to gamble? 
You want to go to Vegas, you want to give it to a homeless guy, or you want to put it in penny stock. All of it is going to have the same result. It'll impact the other person very little. They will take your money, and your life changes nothing for the better. Okay? So just kind of watch out. I see that happening. Uh, These pump and dump schemes are going to start happening more and more frequently. Just like when COVID relief started coming out, and they were, how quickly can we give out this money? We sat here on the radio, and I told you this very clearly. I said, listen, there will, there are scam artists right now trying to figure out how they can take this money. Okay, two years later, surprise, this, these groups are arrested. One man and his sister-in-law and his wife and his brother-in-law, you know, they fled the country. Another one, he and his wife left their teenage kids. They left them a note and they went to Montenegro. Sorry, kids, this is best for you. Remember that? Big show on, on I think it was either Netflix or Prime. And they, they went into a lot of detail about how these kids don't have a parent anymore. Mom and dad are gone. And the reason they're gone is simple. It's because they fled the country because they were stealing millions of dollars. You see, today, guys, you need to understand all of these scams and frauds, whether you're in a Medicare scam, whether you're in a real estate scam, the, the paper trail never goes away. And the statute of limitations on this is not 10 minutes. Uh, I mean, it, it can take them years to uncover it. A lot of times the way the statute of limitations, which is how long they have to prosecute you, isn't from the time the crime was committed. It's from the time they were notified that there was a crime. So if, they, if you're involved in something and there, a crime is committed, yet nobody even knows it for two years, and then they find out about it, they have two years from the time of discovery in many of these scams and frauds or four years or 10 years, whatever it might be. And FYI, there's no statute of limitation on murder, just so you're clear. So a lot of people, that's why we're here. 1977 cold case, 1965 cold case. Well, that's why. Because there's no statute of limitation on murder. These fraud cases, look, it's, it's so much easier to make an honest living to go out, to work hard, to find out where your skill set is, right? I think one of the the biggest shames of our lives is being in an area in which you don't have a skill set, right? You're a crappy artist and everybody tells you you're a good artist because they don't want to hurt your feeling. So you spend forever the best days of your life trying to be an artist. And in the end, nobody really likes your art, right? Oh, it's eclectic. You'll make a million excuses. You do the same thing when it comes to being a, a musician or a singer. Oh, look how beautiful my daughter is. Oh, my son plays an amazing instrument. And then you, you keep wondering why nobody likes them. Because you're pushing something in which they're not gifted for. And some of us as parents, some of you as parents, we have to realize this early on. Because the sooner you can realize it, the better off you're going to be for them to take their time, take their energy, take their money... And do something much better with it. And by the way, look, get in line behind me. The kids I, don't always do what you want them to do. You know, I, I I made a deal with my kids. I told them I only want to um, make two decisions in their life as adults. Oh, you know, dad wants this. Mom wants that. No, 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 no. Listen, I only want two decisions. If you let me have these two decisions in your life, I will never bother you again on any other decisions. 
You good with that? Of course, they're very suspicious because they know me. And they go, well, Dad, um, what are they? I said, it's, it's easy. Number one, I want to decide who you're going to marry and what career choice. Is that too much to ask? And they, they look at me and go, mm, sorry, Dad. I go, listen, I know exactly what careers work for you. I know who, how to you know, marry the right person. I can help you with that. No, thanks, Dad. So I lost that deal. So any of you who any of you want to be adopted by me, let me know. Those are just two choices. That's it. How hard is that? Like ensure their success, their happiness, their financial well-being. Yeah, that didn't work out. And so any other decisions that we make as parents for our kids, of course, they're not going to be uh, in that same vein, are they? All right. I want to get into a couple of other things that I'm finding more and more frequently. And it is through the holiday season, through the Christmas time and the Christmas season. It's these thieves that are going into the stores, and they are. You see them in Apple Store, right? What I don't understand is how the elephant in the room, right? Everybody runs along, and we were supposed to be a colorblind society. Remember that? Everybody was a male or a female or young or old or tall or skinny. We were getting away from this labeling thing that people were doing, right? I mean, we were even getting away from some of the, the as they called it, shaming, right? Fat shaming, uh, hair shaming, right? I'm losing my hair. Everybody's got something that, oh, don't, I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Give me something, stop doing something, and let me do something, all because I'm a victim. So you got to stop, you got to let me do, and I'm good. Well, most of us don't realize that in this whole victim world, right, you're creating this this resurgence of everybody being their race again, right? Black and white and Hispanic and Latino and right a culture that never existed until the Spanish intermarried with the Indians here in, in the Western world, right, in the New World. When they did, they're, well, well, now what do we have? We have the Latino culture. You ask Latinos... They don't think there's anything in common from somebody from Mexico City or somebody from uh, San Jose, Costa Rica, or a lady from Buenos Aires, Aires, Argentina. What does she have in common with Tegucigalpa? Nothing. These are not the same people. They're different human beings. Surprise, just like you are. Just like somebody from Alabama is different than Washington State or California is different than Ohio. One is not better. They're just different. So shame on you for thinking that you can loop all these people together. Well, surprise, black America is the same. But here's the problem that you're starting to see. When you have video and pictures of young black men going into these stores and young black ladies going into these stores, or not even ladies, I should say women, going into these stores and stealing, right? They have a mask and a hoodie. What are you supposed to do when you're shopping there? Oh, oh, stay out of their way. Let them go. Are you kidding me? What? What? Is that what you're supposed to do? So thank you. Please, next time I come here, will you charge me double because that person, because I have to pay for his stuff that he just stole. Please do that. Do, do you think that's okay? And now the elephant in the room, everybody's not talking, but it's young black men and young black women. Of course, there are others. Of course. Don't be silly. But instead of just calling them criminals... Losers, whatever you want to call them, I can give a, a, 10 other names. 
Now all of a sudden people are starting to use their race again. Oh, surprise, it backfired. Right? Remember, you wanted to make sure everybody got their job because they were uh, male, black, female, black, half Lebanese, half white, uh, Christian, man, middle-aged, uh, uh, white, male, right? All of a sudden, everybody's in their little category. Get in line, get in line. Oh, no, you're over to the left. I know you look like you're to the right, but you're to the left. Get over there. Get in that line. What do you do if you have a, an Asian mom and a, a black dad or, or a black mom and a Hispanic dad? What, what column are you in? Right? We were getting away from that. We were calling people just Americans. And now the left lost all of its power because they never had anything valuable to say. So they just had to keep running around being a victim. You're a victim. I'm a victim. Right? <laughs> They're on TV wearing a $1,000 shirt, uh, shirt or, or a dress, $500 shoes, and they're claiming to be a victim. And you're at home eating your Cheetos with a stained T-shirt. And you're watching them going, yeah, that looks like a victim to me. Hope I can pay my rent this month. And all because of something that they couldn't control. Listen, if that's the game they're going to play... They're going to create a whole group of people that start recognizing race again. And I'm telling you, that's a bad thing. These are just human beings. These are crooks or criminals. These are bad guys. These are losers. We need to call them what they are. Remember, don't give me something for something I can't control. And don't take something from me for something I can't control. Right? This whole running around, oh, blacks uh, are stopped more, male blacks between the ages of, you know, 16 and 29 are stopped more often in, in, by police. Well, partly because, in many cases, they live in bad neighborhoods in which the police have to frequent because there's a lot of crime. Partly because there are racist cops out there, so it doesn't matter where you live. Partly because there are people that, that uh, say crime has just been committed. I can't tell you how many times. I had one big case I remember. The victim described the type of car. It was a four-door. I don't recall uh, the type of the model of the car, but it was a four-door car. And it was a four-door blue car, two male blacks, a bigger guy, heavier guy is the driver. Passenger was a, a thinner guy. They were driving in this neighborhood. License plate began with, you know, XYZ123, but not the entire plate, but just partial. And I remember as a policeman, and we're looking, right? You start, you start kind of in the hunt. You're looking, looking, looking to see. It was a robbery. It was a bad guy. I can't remember if it was a liquor store or a bank. But I remember it was a robbery because we, we were, this was bad, man. We had guns drawn. We find the car, guns drawn. We prone them out. Everything according to the book, right? Handcuff them. Nobody gets hurt. Come to find out it was the wrong person, right? The person that, that we had was not the, the bad guy. It was just somebody driving along. Maybe today the person is still sell, uh, telling the story. Oh, they stopped me because I was racist. Here's what I did. I pulled on my computer after we realized he wasn't the bad guy. And I said, sir, we apologized. Of course, took the handcuffs off right away. Brought him over to my police car and I pulled him up on the, uh, the computer screen. And I said, do you see here? Here's the description. I said, right? Four door blue car. So you got a blue car. Two male blacks, it's you and your friend. And we went through this whole thing, and I said, going southbound, eastbound. Well, these people now turned around, the, the real bad guys, and went the other direction. So they were caught on the opposite side of town. That's why you have officers in every direction looking for them, right? Because they, they make U-turns and left-rights, of course. And at the end, we shook hands. I apologized. He went on his way. 
and everything went fine. Again, maybe today he's remembering it as a, uh, you know, he was a victim. But I'm telling you exactly what happened. Sometimes it happens. That's why you got to put your hands up. How many of you remember, how many, how many folks were in the car with Rodney King? Right? Some of you weren't born, I get it. How many folks were in the car with Rodney King? There were three male blacks in the car with Rodney King. He was driving, front passenger, right rear passenger. The officers took the two guys out of the car because they obeyed. They did exactly what they were supposed to do with no problem. When the driver came out, Rodney King, he decided to kick the officer in the groin. Why do you think they both fell to the floor and they started hitting him with the, the thing? Well, that was right after, believe it or not. They tried to shoot him with the taser and he pulls the taser out of himself. So he pulls the taser out. They hit him. And today, still an international racist incident. What about his behavior? What about your behavior? Financially, does it make a difference? We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Eric Halby. Stay with me. The Total Financial Hour. We'll get into your finances this Christmas, this holiday season. How's it impacted? We'll be right back on the 870. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Hallow. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. My number is 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE. Talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money. This Christmas season, this holiday season, are these criminals? Are these, quote, victims? Because if you stop any any of these crooks stealing from these stores, right, just look at the TV, look at the, the video camera, cell phone. They don't even put everything on anymore. They just let them leave. I don't know what the answer is. Is the answer for you to get involved? You see, the reason police exist isn't to protect the good guys. The reason the police exist is to protect the bad guys from vigilantes. So they get a fair trial. They get uh, proper treatment. Fourth Amendment rights are, are withheld, right? I mean, these are real issues. Go back to the Wild West, right? Somebody blames somebody of something, and there's a telephone game that happens, and before you know it, the, the world is is uh, with pitchforks and um, torches. And they come running down the street to find this guy. And you go, wait, 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 that wasn't me. Well, now try to explain that. Try to get a fair trial, right? So that's the whole purpose of the vigilante world is to, to protect the police, is to protect the bad guys, make sure their rights, or at least I should say the accused, sometimes are the bad guys and sometimes they're not, right? Accused are, sometimes they didn't do anything wrong. So what's happening with shoplifting? How does that impact you? Here's a study from KCRA. It's for every $330 worth of products stolen. Now, to be clear, here in California, you can steal three times that, 900 bucks, thanks to our liberal progressives in California. So every $330 of products worth that are stolen, a retailer has to sell $300,000 worth of goods to break even. 
because in the three hundred and thirty uh, sorry the three hundred and thirty dollars that's everything their profit has been stolen the cost for the good has been stolen the cost for labor to stock it on the shelves that's been stolen the electricity uh, to to light that part of the the store been stolen the lease on the floor that has been stolen. So to replace it, you have to sell $300,000 worth of goods. Managing Director of Retail Consultancy Strategy Group, uh, Strategy Resource Group. It's important you understand this, right? He comes in and says, listen, 3% or so of the sales are gone. They're just just made to, to, to make up the losses. Here's what the total number is estimated. I think you're going to be surprised at this. This is before the holiday season, before the last six months. It's a study from July, July of 2022. Between 15 and $20 billion of items are stolen every year. Let's put that in perspective. You give me a state in the United States. Give me a state. doesn't matter. I'll give you, give me your top three states that you think we need to fix the education system, meaning teach kids reading, writing, and arithmetic, have educators that are actually trained, uh, stop the unions from cannibalizing the dollars into the political parties that just keep these victims, these kids as victims, right? You pick any top three states in the United States in which the education system means we're going to teach, we're going to go to these kids, and we're going to give them an education. The top two of them, 15 to $20 billion, $20 billion fixes those two states' education system. Just in what's stolen every year. So what is your responsibility with this? Well, number one is never vote for progressives or Democrats. I'm sorry. I wish it wasn't that way. You know, like you, I have family. All of us have family that are are progressives, that are Democrats, that are uh you know part of their own financial world right all of us are got it no problem never ever vote for one of them in office you cannot vote for them you can't let them run for city council you can't let them run for a school board or water board you've heard me say this it's your responsibility as a retiree or somebody who's conservative or even you know center conservative you don't have to be crazy far right far left forget it you have to serve everybody but you cannot vote for another democrat not until they fix their party and get rid of these crazies because we have a, a single political party in the state of California you know that we're a one party state from governor to dog catcher top to bottom everybody who wants to be elected in the state office, Democrat, and has been, I think we're at 12 or 14 years now. That means the same political party is so entrenched into the state. Their appointees, their judges, district attorneys, everybody is so weaved into this system that just this week, Oregon governor decides she's going to commute everybody's sentence on death row. doesn't matter how many people you killed, uh, how many bodies you ate, uh, how, how many triple murder, murder for hire, uh, lying in wait, right? Laying this whole plan, poisoning your lover. doesn't matter. We're, forget it. 
We're taking off death penalty off the table. Commuting your sentence, she's going to forgive you. Now, what a coward. Why didn't she do that before the election? Huh? Why didn't she? Because she knew that the common sense people in the state, even those that still vote for Democrats, would have not voted for her. The crazy still would have. But the moderates and the center left people would have thought twice. Huh? This is kind of weird. Well, these are the same people that are letting these criminals out of jail. In fact, they're not even arresting them. You ask the big box stores, right? The Best Buys, the Staples, the, the Costco's, the Walmarts, the Sam. Ask them, Rite Aid, CBS. Why don't you call the police? Because they don't do anything. Because the, the policemen are bad? Of course not. It's because the police do all this work. They arrest the person. They put them in jail. Before they're done with the reports, the person is out the back door of the jail. Because it takes a while. You've got to book the evidence. You've got to do the reports. And so the officers are, are saying, listen, I'm just going to go and do nothing. So nobody shows up. Nobody does anything. So what is your responsibility if you are in a store this Christmas season shopping, after Christmas sales shopping, and you see these people I think you have to ask yourself, I don't know what that is. You have to protect you and your family. But but when does the, quote, war begin and end? When are you just a, a bystander who's going to, quote, be a victim of these bad guys? I don't know the answer. But I think the consequences of this are real. I think you're seeing the cost across the United States, especially especially for every single shopper that comes in. It's uh, somewhere right in the neighborhood of $13 per year, per person, every time you walk into a store. That's the cost. Now, if you go in and you buy a $5 something or other, and the next person buys 400 maybe they paid 26 and you paid you know $1 or something. But the average for every person, every visit to the store, it's about a $13 per person cost. According to the National Association for Shoplift, Shoplifting Prevention. That's a huge deal, you guys, because stores will leave. When I was a policeman during the earthquake uh, and the riots, rather, uh, specifically the riots in Arlington, Crenshaw area down there, we were working. I remember uh, a grocery store and these people just ran in and started stealing everything. Do you think they stole, you know, baby diapers back then? No, they stole, you know, the roasts and the steaks and the bottles of liquor. That's what they stole. They didn't steal, oh, Band-Aids, my poor baby is is bleeding, she needs Band-Aids. No. So surprise, at least a decade later after the riots, the last time I was there was about that time, they never came back. The stores didn't come back. So the only kind of food that you would eat if you're a mom trying to feed your family is to either get on a bus because many of them didn't have cars, and go to another part of town, and then how much, how many grocery bags can you carry? Right? You might have a wagon or, or a little cart or a trolley of some sort. So you're not going to buy your family lots because it costs money. to costs time. You have to go across town, wait for a bus, your frozen food items. Are they going to do well sitting outside some of the year? Probably not. Because the grocery store can no longer be profitable 
because you can't put those people in jail. And the, the, the 96% of good people in that town get nothing. They elected these people that run around with these black SUVs, right? The district attorney with, that has a security driver or two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a district attorney. He lives in a nice part of town, drives a nice car. Between his two pensions, I want you to know, he earns somewhere, I'm going to be be generous here on the low side, but somewhere right in the neighborhood of $20,000 a week. A week. Between his pensions, San Francisco, Los Angeles Police Department, District Attorney's salary. So you tell me when he drives through South Central L.A. and he looks at a mom trying to feed her family with junk from a liquor store, right, processed foods and says, oh, uh, I, I feel for you. I understand you. I feel for you're a victim, by the way. Oh, the lights turned green. Sorry, you got to go. But anyway, don't forget you're a victim. You're a victim. Bye. Right. Is that what is that what we're going to do? Because for most of us, life is good. I mean, it's not as great as it was now that we're paying four, five, six dollar gas, depending on where you are. Okay. It's not as great as it is now that we're paying double or triple for milk and eggs and meat. But it's still pretty good. So many of you are like, I don't make waves. Mm -mm -mm. All I do is work. And I vote. Poof. Do I vote? But get out of the way, because Jerry Springer's on. Move move to the left, please. Thanks. 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 What, what? That That's life? How about you pick up something called a voter education pamphlet or, or a something, issues? Look at the GOP, the government, the um, grand old party, as they call it, the GOP, the grand old party, Republican Party, conservative, libertarian. Look at some literature in your town, find something, and start going to your city council meetings. Because if you think that indentured servitude is over, surprise, surprise, surprise. These people do this on purpose. They, they distract you with the left hand. They keep you busy over there. So on this side, you let the shoplifters go by because they're victims. Mm, I feel so bad for them. I mean, look, they probably don't even have an iPhone and they're taking six of them. In 2020, one, 2021, retail thefts costs federal and state governments $15 billion in personal and business tax revenue. Just the tax revenue, people. Roads, bridges, Gascon's pension. A lot of these things are not going to be paid. Maybe now he'll start getting getting up and doing something. District Attorney Gascon is, is hungry. Look at him, that poor little fella. Who rarely shows up to the office, by the way. I want you to know he doesn't even work. This is, these are important issues. And here's how it affects you. You can't buy this stolen property. Oh, I know you're getting a good deal. I know your nephew says. I know you think you can. I know the swap meet or flea market or whatever they're calling it these days. Yep, yep, yep. The indoor. Remember that indoor thing? Yeah, that indoor place that you go and everybody's got their little booth. 
and you buy it, and it, it boy, it seems brand new. It's un, it's an unlocked phone. Look at those clothes; they got the tags on them. Oh my gosh, such a good price. You can't buy it. You said you had values. You don't get to do that. Well, somebody else will. That's right. Somebody else will. Somebody else is going to do almost everything, by the way, just so you know. So you can start that little uh, excuse now, or you can figure that it's just never going to end. And decide you're going to take a stand, because that's where you make a difference. I know times are tough. I know you want to spend this much more money or this less money on things. I get it. Maybe the clothes, the purses, they go into these actual Gucci and Louis Vuitton and Coach purse stores, and they steal everything. There needs to be, you know, retired or former military personnel sits there with a, a forearm or, or, or a fist or a billy club or something, stands at the door and says, leave the stuff, you're under arrest. And then there needs to be real prosecution. But everybody's afraid. But that guy's a minority person and we could hurt his feelings because his great, 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 great grandfather was a slave. No. Oh, no, it's systemic racism. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So his free education through elementary and junior high and high school and now all the, the other federal government stuff, state government stuff. Yeah. So that's not enough. And maybe it is, and I don't know. I'm not. I'm just just commenting. I don't know if it is. So he has to steal. So you just tell me when is the break-even point? When he steals 15 more things, or 20 more days worth of stealing? If we can spread it out over a couple of months, or you're going to stand up and say enough is enough. I have to have courage, you guys. Because this affects your pocketbook. You realize you're paying more for everything. Try to go in a not-so-bad neighborhood, right? In the Valley, there's some, some okay neighborhoods still. I mean, they're not all horrible, right? There's some nice neighborhoods. But you go into the, into the stores, and you see everything behind these locked cases. And you ask yourself, is this a prison commissary? Right? Is this like in jail where you say, hi? And, and then, of course, they have two people, one working the cash register and one on break. And then you're trying to get somebody to open up. You know, I just need razors over here. Can you, I can, yeah, no, no, over here, over here. Yeah, okay, no, please help her first and then come to me. And then somebody else says, can you tell me where that? And then that's on the other side. Instead of you just going in and buying your thing. And then sometimes I just left. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not going to shop here. It takes me forever just to have them open the case. And then if you, they open the case and you look at it and you go, oh, that's not what I wanted. I thought it was. I looked at it. I turned it around. Nope, it's not the same one. Then you put it back. Right? You, you have to ask yourself, when is the next thing they're going to do? Hold people hostage? Open the cases, ma'am. I think that's coming. Because if they can't get the items and nobody's going to stop them, they're going to hold a knife, box cutter, I don't know, something to somebody's head. Knife, neck, body, side. Take that last employee on break. Call them back from break and have them open up these two cases. You think that's not going to happen? Listen, I was a policeman. I saw these things. In, in, I'd say the last 10 years minus the last three. So 10 years back plus those seven years. The homicide rate in L.A., the grand theft crime in L.A., the part one crimes in L.A. were in the, in the uh, record books on the downside. 
I mean, you, you realize that that means these people were, were not dying that, and, and people were not, we weren't having problems. And of course we had issues now and again, but we, we had a relatively safe neighborhood. And then all of a sudden people decided that everybody was a victim. People decided that we weren't going to enforce laws. And now your Christmas items from groceries, sometimes, uh, look, shopping malls with lots of people there. They're not going to bring nice things out. They're going to have fake jewelry out. They're going to have the fake watches out. Here's what you can do. Don't buy the stuff. I know you're going to want it. I know you're going to look at it. I know you're going to think about how much you can save and how it's not your fault. You'll do mental moral gymnastics. I, I get it. You'll you'll double whammy backflip and you'll come up and say, and you know what? I should still probably buy it. No, the answer is no. If you're thinking about it, the answer is no. You know it's stolen from somewhere somehow. Might be six people away from you. Somebody stole it. You might see it on the internet, eBay or Amazon. You might see it on somebody's Etsy store, whatever other things people are doing these days. Facebook Marketplace. No, no, and no. If it's stolen, if you think it's stolen, if it could be stolen, the answer is no. That's really the only way. That's really the only way you're going to stop these guys. Oh, and ready for this? You're going to have to make it very clear that you're not going to vote for Democrats anywhere. PTA presidents, water boards, you've heard me say this. Sorry, retirees, you have to get involved. You have to run for office. You have to stand up to these crazies that are letting kids act like cats. You know this is happening in L.A. Unified School Districts. You know this. I know it's happening in other districts conservative districts in Northern LA County, Hart District. Kids are pretending to be cat. Hey, listen, if you can say a boy is a girl and a girl is a boy, and then I, I'm nothing. I'm not, I'm not a girl or a boy. I'm not a man or a woman. If you can do all of that, then why can't I be a cat or a dog or a gerbil? I could be whatever I want. And so these people dress, act, lick their hands at the, in sitting in school, and then when they go to the school restrooms, guess what these people want to do? They, these, these kids, these confused, mentally ill children need to use a litter box. They won't go to the bathroom in a normal stall. Have you asked yourself, would this happen in China or Russia? Not that we want to emulate them. No, 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 not at all. Of course not. Would it happen in any other place that isn't extremely prosperous, that is bored? Right? Canada. Ooh, Canada. They have a big piece of ice to the north, and they have the most prosperous, wealthy, militarily superior country to the south. What do they have to worry about? Oh, we're giving free health care. Of course you are. You don't have to spend any money on your military. You're not protecting the world. You have as many people in your country as maybe just a couple of states. You're good. You have more oil, wheat, land, that is farmland. Of course you're doing fine. So what do they do? Same kind of stuff. Bored. Kids can be cats. Right? A man is a woman. A woman, we don't know what's a woman. Let's define a woman. I don't know what a woman is. 
these people affect your pocketbook because then they let these kids running around and steal these men. It's an organized crime ring, by the way. Who who does it? Well, it's different mafia, Russian, Armenian, uh, uh, Jamaican, uh, Hell's Angel. I don't know, man. There's all sorts of criminal organizations here in California. Somebody's doing it. They're arresting them. It's easy money because nobody... Can you imagine if nobody stops you selling drugs on the corner? Nobody stops you in prostitution or gang uh, activity? Nobody. Well, that's pretty risky. So why don't we do something else? I know. We'll import people over the border. They don't stop us. We'll sell those children into sex slavery. Nobody's going to stop us. We'll go into stores and steal whatever we want. Nobody's going to stop us. Oh... That guy the other day was on his way to work to pay taxes, and he went a little bit above the speed limit. Oh, yeah, they stopped him. Oh, boy. Woo! That, that person's $300 ticket. I think he should get it. Maybe give him two. How dare he wake up early and put on a shirt and tie and go to the office and work to provide tax revenue? That is who you should be stopping. Left and right, man. You, you get that guy. You turn, you turn in a business district. Man, wait a second. Did I see 2021 tags on that guy's license plate? Did he not even pay his registration? I'm thinking five years in prison, guys. You'll pass 16 people stealing from a jewelry store, from a Target or a Kohl's or a Walmart. They just walk out with their hands full. Thank you. Right? Kohl's department store was all in on, uh, you know, cancel Mike Lindell, get rid of my pillow, defund the police. Remember Kohl's? Remember when you guys were that way? And a lot of us boycotted you and you still haven't returned my email. Remember that? Yeah. Surprise. This is what you get is billions of dollars in losses across your Sad stuff, guys. Hey, I've got an uplifting email for you coming coming back after the break. It's pretty interesting. I think you'll enjoy it. The second hour of the Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Halliday, triple eight ninety nine retire. Stay with me on your place for news talk information. Triple eight ninety nine retire. We'll be right back. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arab Halaby, the total financial hour, your place for news, talk, and information. Talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. That's what it's all about. And we talk about this in a few different ways. Uh, Listen, my job is to bring social and political issues to you and how it affects your finances. Sometimes it's not friendly. Sometimes it's not happy, happy. Sometimes it's kind of yucky, actually. But I think what's more important is for you to realize that you do have the power to make a change, not just in your life, but in the community around you. And very, very few people, kind of like a pyramid, very few ever get to the top of governor or or president or congressman or woman or state senator or U.S. senator. There's a few at the top of that little pyramid or the mini pyramids to make a big difference. But the reality is the difference that you can make at this level 
is greater than almost all of those people combined because they deal with the macro. They deal with the big, big concerns and the big issues. But you jumping on a school board, you walking down the street or shopping at the grocery store and seeing your city councilman or your city councilwoman, that's a big deal. Walking at the baseball game in in your little community and seeing the mayor, that's where your life starts to make a change. Because now... You're involved, and they know. They know it. They watch you. They think about you. They worry about you. They think about what you feel and, and think about Everybody else must be getting along just fine because they're not saying anything, so it must be you that they have to appease. So these are the things that I want you to think about. That's why I want you to get involved. I appreciate you listening to this show. These kind of things make a difference, right? Your support with us helps us support Dennis, help us become those that are supporting the fighters and even part of the fighters. We just made a decision that I wasn't going to cater or pretend or lie or even by omission, right? How many people do about what's happening and what isn't happening. A lot of people, oh, it's just not happening. I'm just going to pretend like it's not happening, right? They do this. I'm going to act like I'm acting like I'm pretending like I am. And in the end you go, but isn't it happening? Oh, yeah, but it's not really like happening, happening. You say, "Mm, eventually it's going to hit us all, folks. And now you're seeing it with the amount of money being stolen from these stores and the impact on the pricing pressure. So this is important. All right, listen, your retirement is a big deal. Planning and being careful is a big part of that. Let me give you our phone number, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3888. Four, seven. What we do is simple. We keep things easy to understand. That's a big part of our lives. We like to get reasonable rates of return. Anywhere between zero and maybe 15 or 18% is the max in any one year. Realistically, it's somewhere between three and eight, maybe four to 8% on average. Some zero, some five, some t- 10, some two, some 10, 12. But over time, we're going to average right in that four to eight, three to eight world. So we never go backwards. There's never a monthly or quarterly or fee or cost or annual fee. We are paid because the company's going to make more money than it ever gives you. Just know that, right? We are paid because they've, they've got a profit built in, just like when you go to a bank or a credit union, right? You walk into the bank or the credit union and you say, hi, I'd like to deposit $10,000 in my CD. They say, great. Uh, did you give the teller a dollar? Uh, how about the bank manager? Did you give her $2? Security guard, did you give him $4? Uh, Wait, you didn't do that, did you? But how are they paid? Well, we know they're paid because they were here yesterday. They'll be here tomorrow. It's simple. The bank is going to give you a certain interest rate on whatever you deposit. And then they're going to come in and give the next person a higher interest rate on a CD. Sorry, on on a visa or a car loan, credit card. Right, These are things that are going to happen. That's how they make a profit. That's how they make a living. I had a client who was looking for a car recently and said, uh, and they were going to pay cash for it. So they called up the dealer and said, hey, this is the car I've been looking for. Do you still have it on the lot? They said, yes, but before we sell it to you, we have a question. They said, uh, she said, yeah. What's the question? She said, are you going to trade in any cars? And she said, no, probably not. Uh, it's a lease, so I'm just going to you know, turn it back. Okay. Are you going to uh, finance through our finance system? She said, no, I'm just going to pay cash. 
He said, well, thank you for your inquiry. We really appreciate it. But we're going to save this car for somebody who's going to turn in a car and who's going to finance through us. Now, why would a car dealership who's in the business of selling cars tell you that they will only make a living if they also finance the car? You're like, no, 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 you're not a finance company, you're a car dealership. Well, it's very simple. It's because the car dealership makes money off of the finance. So you have to always ask yourself, if there's money to be made twice on a deal, maybe some of your financial products with your bank, your credit union, maybe with your, more importantly, your broker, the Wall Street people, right? Why do they charge you a fee and then you also pay another fee in between or underneath or hidden, right? The question I want you to always ask is, what's my total cost to own this product? What's my total cost? Because when you say the word fee, they go, oh, it's $25. Because in the paperwork, the legal paperwork, it says fee, $25. But what is my rider charge? What, what are my rider charges? Sorry, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, what about my charges for 12B1, my expense ratios? Can you tell me, um, what are my M&E charges? Can, can you tell me what my underlying asset class, right, the, the investment charge? What is all that? So the admin fee and on and on, all of these different fees, costs, charges, they call them something different. In your mind, when you ask the word fee, you expect to know what the total cost is. But they said, aha, hey, did you see that? She didn't ask about the 12B1 or the writer fees or the admin or the M&E. So we're just going to tell her, quote, what the fee is. And it's $35 a year. Ha. They think they did something. They got you. I know because I I sit, I hear them. So you always ask yourself, what's my total cost? And then you add it up. How long have I had it? What's my total cost per year times 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, whatever it is. What did it cost me? What did I put in? And what do I have? And did I make as much as the broker? Because we're finding it today. The last four or five that I've looked at, the brokers made nearly as much as you have. Or Wall Street. I don't know how much the broker keeps. Could be his manager. Could be his assistant. All I know is it leaves your hands, leaves your account, and goes to them. However they divvy it up is up to them. So I use the broker as an abbreviation for that entire system. Or Wall Street, same thing. Money leaves your hands, goes to them. I don't know what they did with it. What did you buy? I, I don't know. But you're the one that worked your tail off for this $200,000. You're the one that saved and sacrificed and didn't buy that and didn't do that and didn't go there so that you'd have a a good retirement account. It's nice. Why is your broker getting as much or more in some cases than you have? They didn't take any risk with the money, right? Ask them, is the only way for me to make a living? Sorry, uh, is the only way for you to make a living, Mr. and Mrs. Broker? is for me to have my money at risk of loss. I'll say it again if you're trying to write it down. Mr. and Mrs. Broker, is the only way for you to make a living, i.e. charge a fee, cost, M&E charge, on and on, right? Whatever they call it. In order for you to make a living, does my money have to be at risk of going backwards? Meaning, could I lose my money? Right? That's a problem. Could I lose my retirement? Could I lose my savings? Could I lose the money that I could not write off or deduct 
on my taxes. That's an important part. Because I don't want you to be in a position to where you work your whole life, 10, 12 years, and your account goes up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And maybe it goes up, 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 and then down, down, down. I love it. People say, well, if my account is higher today than it was a year ago. Great. What was your total cost to get through all of this process? All right. Because here's here's what I want you to know. I'm going to read a a letter here from uh, one of our listeners, a sweet lady. I think this is interesting and, and hopefully positive for you to understand a little bit. It doesn't start out that way, but it's okay. I think you need to, I don't know, maybe, maybe relax just a minute and listen to this here. It's from Emma. Dear Arif, I am 69 years old and my husband died earlier this year. We both have been listening to your show for years and heard you say many times how the surviving spouse loses the lower of the two social security payments upon the passing of the first spouse. Well, we planned for this by getting a $250,000 life insurance policy on my husband. Any more insurance than that was more than we wanted to spend each month. We also worked on getting out of debt, and we accomplished this about one year ago. We had about $100,000 saved in our various checking, savings, and CDs accounts when he passed away. Between our two retirement accounts, we had about $695,000. Now, most of it was his. Can you explain what I should do with the IRA that is under his name? Also, I have found out he has an old 401k plan from a job that he had many, many years ago. This has about $86,000 in it. I did lose my my social security check of over $1,600 a month. Thank goodness I have his $3,000 social security and 50% of his pension. And that's $2,000 a month. We chose the higher amount for him and the lower amount for me because we didn't plan on him dying so young. I did spend a lot of our savings to live on over the last six months, about $25,000. But I do need to do something with the IRAs and 401ks. All right. Thank you, Emma, for sending that in. I know it's not easy. This is a hard time. It is for a lot of people, actually, uh, that go through this, and it's never a simple process. Um, Everybody's got their own journey. You you know, some folks are are kind of peppy and ready to go because they plan for this or their personality is such. So six months later, a year later, they're not back to normal. You never will be. But, you, you know, they have less yucky, gray, depressed days and more medium or happy days. Others, it might take two or three or four years. But I do want you to know a couple of things. I want to go over, guys, with you uh, what Emma did with the pension, her and her husband, what what they did with the pension uh, and explain the Social Security thing a little bit as well and the inherited IRA spouse IRA uh, conversation because this is important as well for you. Okay, so let's be clear on this. When somebody inherits an IRA, individual retirement account, it depends on who the person is that gave it to you based on the rules in which you have to abide by. So if you leave your retirement accounts to your children, cousin, mother, brother, 
sister, anybody that's other than your husband or wife, then here are the rules. If they are past the age of 72, they have to start withdrawing money every year because the person would have done that. If they are under that age, then by 10 years and 10 minutes, that entire account has to be down to zero. The IRA, the the thing called the uh, stretch IRA doesn't exist anymore. Right? It used to. Now, if somebody passed away before 2020, then yes, the stretch IRA is still there. But if, if it's a recent passing over the last year or two, they have to abide by a different set of rules if it's not a spouse. <clears throat> okay, it's, it, They have to take it all out, 10 years and 10 minutes. You can take a little bit now, nothing now. Next month, next year, a little bit more. But, but 10 years and 10 minutes down to zero. Now, you have to plan for this because if it's an IRA, it's a taxable event to you. So let's say you inherited somebody else's IRA and you're not maxing out your own retirement account at work. Let's just say you have 20000 a year that you can be putting in extra above and beyond what you're putting in now. Okay, so what do I want you to do? I want you to max out your retirement account, that 20000 So... Your paycheck is going to be $14.85. I get it. But that money goes in. And then guess what you're going to do on the other side? You're going to ask the IRA company to send you $20,000. So in other words, it's coming in the front door. It's taxed. The money that you can still control your earned income from your job, you can still put that into the active retirement account. So yeah, your account, your, your paycheck drops. Your taxable income is going to be restored right back to where it was, but you're able to liquidate that non-spouse IRA over time and drip it, drip it, drip it into your income to keep you from paying much more than you should to Uncle Sam and and Uncle Newsom. Right? They have plenty of money. They don't need yours. Now, what happens is your retirement rules lead the game. That's the way it goes. But what about, as in Emma's case... If the spouse is inheriting it, well, if a spouse is inherits an IRA retirement account, they can convert it into their own. They, in other words, they make it their own. So it's as if they've been putting that money into their account their whole life. It's now becomes theirs. No change. Okay. That's important because she can utilize it and spread it out over her lifetime. There's no 10 year rule because it's a spouse. So for a lot of you, especially second marriages, you want your children to be the beneficiary of your IRAs or your retirement accounts. I'm going to maybe advise you or caution you or maybe even give you a little bit of tips here, whatever you want to call it. And it works like this. Leave your retirement account to your spouse. Leave something else to your children, like your stock market accounts, right? You can maybe the equal dollars or whatever you want to do. Because if the kids inherit your non-retirement stock bond mutual fund accounts at your broker, they get a step up in basis, meaning they don't pay any tax on any of that money at all. Well, if your spouse inherits the IRA, they don't pay any tax on that money at all until they need it, until they take it out. So you get the benefits of the rules, meaning your, your new spouse gets 
the IRA, and instead of your children getting the IRA, you give them the non-retirement account. Just a way to, to make it so that your kids benefit by not having to pay extra taxes, but so does your spouse by being able to spread it out over their lifetime now. And they don't even have to start taking it out until age 72 anyway. So just an option. Okay, now, Emma, what happens because you also have a 401k or he has a 401k at work? Now, there are rules associated with 401ks that are slightly different with IRAs. But in your particular case, inheriting them, finding them, sometimes people do. I'll tell you how to do that in just a second. What I'd like you to do is to go to your uh, his, his company, the HR director, and notify them. Maybe it's an assistant or something, but it's somebody, HR, and you say, hey, guys, I want to tell you that so-and-so passed away, and what do I have to do to get his retirement account out? And they'll tell you, well, you're going to have to fill out these forms. You can bring him to us if you choose to work with us or any financial professional. Really what you do is you take those forms to the place in which, in which they're going to receive them. So if you're going to just put them into a bank CD or a bank money market account, you take those forms to the bank CD uh, money market account employees. Could be the man or woman who's sitting at the desk in the back of the of the lobby. It could be the teller. It could be a bank, business manager. Somebody somewhere is going to assist you with those forms. It's the job of the receiving institution to assist you in completing those forms. Now, sometimes the releasing institution, his existing 401k, would kind of coach you over the phone a little bit, because especially in a, in a death, they're pretty compassionate about that. So they'll walk through that with you and kind of make sure that if there's something going on, you forgot to check this box, they'll, they'll, they're pretty good about that. All right, that's important. What about, so what is it, what happens to it? Well, it becomes in yours. It just becomes your own. It becomes your own account. And now, check this out. It follows the same rules as an IRA, and it goes into an IRA and acts just like a normal IRA. So it leaves the 401k, rolls over, it's called a rollover or a transfer, into your traditional IRA under your name. So you can combine them if you want. Uh, you can separate them if you want, whatever you'd like to do. All right. Here's what I would recommend. Let's go back and recap this a little bit. You have a $250,000 life insurance policy. Emma, that is tax-free. So we're just going to put that in the bank. We're going to keep it aside for the moment. Maybe buy one of your own life insurance policies with a portion of that to assist you with long-term care. Because in many cases, the spouses care for each other. And now that he's passed away, you might have a long-term care need in the future. And you could use some of your life insurance policy to care for yourself, to do long-term care. It's critical illness, chronic illness. They give you care for that type of uh, incident in your life. And we can do it, let's say, for $100,000, and it would buy you maybe two hundred or 300000 in life insurance. So it just depends on your health and your age and other things. So important to look at to see if that makes a difference for you. We would We would do that as well. But what about the retirement account itself? Well, yes, we lost that $1,600 a month. Because when one spouse passes away, we lose the, six, the, the lower of the two Social Security checks. But for those of you that are considering, well, it's about ready to, for me to retire. I'm going to check the box. Which box do I check for the pension? I want to encourage you to do this. Emma, you and your husband chose the 50%, half of it. 
maybe that was the right decision for you. For many people, I like the one where instead of him getting 4000 and then when he passes away, you get two, it would be him receiving 3200 and then you receive 3200 for example. So you both receive the same amount. The reason is simple. It's because you've built your your budget and your spending habits based on that number. And it's difficult. Now, could I could I make up that extra difference? Oh, all day long. Absolutely. But for most people, right, they don't always follow the rules or at least our suggestions. They kind of do what they want to do. So I like the idea of this steady ongoing income coming in for you without worrying about it. So here's what I would do. The $2,000 a month plus the 3000 in Social Security, that gives you a comfortable house paid off. It gives you a comfortable $5,000 a month. Okay. If you need a little bit more to live on, and I understand you do, because especially today, inflation and taxes and traveling and things like that. He was 71 when he passed away. He was prior to having to take out his required minimum distribution, so I don't have to worry about that. Because that happens at age 72. So here's what I would do. I would take $200,000 of the retirement account and I would send it, let's say, 10 years in the future. Not going to touch it. Go long, go long, right? 10 years from now, if I need it, I'm 69 years old. 10 years from now, I'll be 79, 80. If I need it, I can take it out on long-term care. Now, can you touch it along the way? Oh, for sure you can. Yeah, you can take out 20000 a year without a cost or a fee all day long. We can do that. But if everything goes according to plan, if we don't have any big problems, no burden, we don't want to be a burden to the kids, we don't want to be a burden to anybody else, we take that 200000 and we send it to the future. What that gives you, let's be clear about this, pretty neat. What that gives you somewhere in the neighborhood of $400,000 in 10 years. Just about, double, just about doubles in 10 years, which gives you a little over $2,000 a month. $2,000 a month. I like that. That's a big number. Because at age 80, that might be the just your property taxes. We don't know. The next thing I would do is I would use about $95,000 I'd put it into an IRA for liquidity and emergencies, just a secondary place to start taking out your required minimum distributions when you need to. And then the rest of it, I would turn on as an income stream to fill the gap of whatever you need each and every month so that you'd always have enough money to live on. Tax-free money from the life insurance from your savings. Tax-free money for long-term care. If you need it, we would buy a life insurance policy. That's a hybrid plan where you can get long-term care, life insurance, right, cash value. And your husband and I left you in a great place. Of course, both of you were involved in the financial decisions. But you can tell when somebody loves and cares for somebody deeply and how they live them and they're not sure to enjoy their financial. Sorry for your loss. Stay with me, guys, as we continue the Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. Triple eight ninety nine retire. We'll be back on your place for news talk information. They made seventy the answer. Thanks to Arab Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about finance. 
Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about Hey, thanks for joining me. I'm Arab Halabi. This is the total financial hour. Listen, it's a little corny, but it's kind of fun. Jimmy Carnelli, if you ever... Uh, know him or know of his name. He's the one that uh, helped write and uh, sing this song. One of the best Frank Sinatra impersonators I think I've ever heard. Uh, so he's real solid, a real good guy. Uh, thanks for being part of the show. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour, second hour. Second, what is it? Our second half an hour of the second hour of the Total Financial Hour. Ooh, say that five times fast. All right. Uh, I love covering your emails. Uh, here's how you get a hold of me. Arif at TFSWealth.com. That's Arif at TFSWealth.com. And it gives you a chance to, to reach out, send us what your requests are, your, your emails, if you have a problem or a story. Uh, it's very common for me just to answer it back to you and not always put it on the air. So uh, you may not, may not always get it on the air. Or maybe you know two weeks later or three months later it might come on. If I start to see more and more uh, common denominators in your concerns, your questions, your problems, uh, then, I, then I bring it up. I say, hey, this is something that's going to benefit a lot of our listeners, so I'll bring it up for you. So appreciate you being a part of the show. All right, listen, um, we are seeing at, at record levels, by the way, of young people moving back home. Now, when I say back home, it's their parents' home. When I say back home, it's not, oh, we're going to uh, contribute, give money, help pay for utilities or the food, because not all of them do. Often, they, they will come back home, if you will, to just get reset. And the parents are like, listen, I'm already paying for electricity. The light doesn't bright, uh, you know, go a little brighter when there's three of us in the room. It's the same electricity. When the TV's on, the TV's on. It's six people watching it or one person watching it. Property taxes are the same. The difference is going to usually be water, and it's usually going to be um, food. So I want to encourage you. If you have a young person coming back home, and, and I had to do that, right? Some of you know my story. I got scammed in my late 20s, and my parents were amazing uh, in our early 30s when I had to come back and say, I, I need to start over. I need to start building my life financially again. And I, it wasn't because I didn't have a house. I did, uh, and my wife, and we had a brand new baby at that time. But I had to work three jobs. So when you're working 20, 22 hours a day, uh, driving an extra hour home or crashing at my parents' house, so to speak, taking a shower, changing, and starting all over again, or sleeping at a, a mall parking lot, right? I mean, you do whatever you have to do. And my parents are amazing people for saying, hey, listen, you're not a... a a slug just sitting on the couch here, right? You're working. You're trying to build something for yourself. You're going back to school because that's what I did. I had to go back to school to learn this stuff because I thought I was a smart guy, man. I was a policeman. I was 18 years old when I was an investor, 28 years old. Life was good. And then I got scammed and the son of a guns took all my money and I was in a car accident and a bunch of back surgeries and knee surgeries over the next few years. And so you're thinking, wait a second, I'm the smart guy. Wait. And I don't know the private conversations my parents had, right? My kids don't know the private conversations we have. Your kids don't know the private conversations. And it should be that way, right? These are your concerns or questions, 
You should always praise them publicly. I mean, certainly. Question uh, question them or, or their motives or have concerns about them. You can do that privately. In front of them, that's up to you. Depends on if that's the right move. But here's what I think. I think part of what you have to do is ask yourself, am I enabling bad behavior or am I enabling good behavior? So my parents were enabling good behavior because good behavior was working hard, paying off bills, saving, uh, working two jobs, going back to school, right? Not sitting around working the minimum, quiet quitting, sitting on the couch, being a slug, feeling sorry for myself. That's bad behavior, guys. Trying to be a, a video game. <laughs> Some a client came to me the other day. Yeah, my son is a video game um, uh, professional. I go, what does that mean? He makes video games? That's pretty cool. He goes, oh, no, no, he plays them. I said, well, what do you mean he plays them? Well, he's really good at this particular game, and people watch him play the game. I go, what? He says, yeah, yeah, people watch him play the game. I said, okay, well... Is it a job? Do you make money? He goes, oh, yeah, he makes X amount of dollars per... I'm like, are you kidding me? That's a real job. So some of us that are older than dirt or remember pagers <laughs> or or remember, you know, pulling over to, to drop a dime, right? If you say drop a dime, you and I know what that is. If you don't know what that means, then maybe you understand that this kid could play video games and have people pay him and actually make a living at it. If you do know what I mean by drop a dime, uh, then this is news to you. Surprise. All right, surprise. So so I thought, you got to be kidding. And every time something like that happens, and I find myself to be fairly informed, right? Um, I always wanted to be a renaissance man. I heard that term when I was probably in junior high school, and it was a, it's a person who knows a, a lot about a lot of things and who's, who's informed and involved and uh, wise and all that. I, I, well, that's my, my, that's my goal. I want to be that person who knows a lot about a lot of things. I don't want to be a sheltered life. So when you think you're somebody like me, and then all of a sudden this weird job comes along and they say something like, oh, by the way, people watch it. I go, so he plays video. No, they watch him play video. I'm like, this is amazing. Only in America could this happen. So, of course, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, it's actually a career. So. I think you ought to know or, or look at this and realize that in, in the case of your son's daughter sitting at home doing nothing, you know, being an influencer or something, are they making money? Great. Then maybe it's a different way of working in this generation. What I want to really push back on is are they not helping with the food? Are they not giving you money for utilities? Are they not helping somewhere? I'm okay for a week, a month, a couple months, get on their feet. Right, But there has to be a beginning, middle, and end to the story. I share that with you because we're getting a lot of this now. And sometimes, and, and listen, if you're the pager generation, you don't know what that means. How am I supposed to deal with this kid? My dad would have kicked my blah, 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 blah. And, and you go to, well, but by the way, he's making money. What's he doing? Well, he does, works three jobs. Okay, well, that's kind of hard work. I like it. So going to school, trying to get better. So here's an email. I don't know if you're going to like this or not, because I think this is an interesting time for Sue and Bob. But here's the way it goes. It's from Sue and Bob. We have a 32-year-old son who rarely keeps a job for more than six months. He seems to bounce from job to job and yet seems to always have enough money to spend on himself. 
Okay, I'm going to pause there for a second. That could always be, well, it could certainly be at least what we thought it was in the past was nefarious. Drug dealing, doing things fishy, whatever that might be. All right? Could be. I had a relative years ago who, even when I was a police officer, word would would come to me that he was throwing these rave parties, would rent an abandoned warehouse because it was during the time in the 90s, early 90s, when commercial real estate was empty all over the place, right? The RTC, the Real Estate Trust Corporation, was created by the federal government to try to absorb all of these real estate, take them off the books of banks and savings and loans, and try to fix the system. Well, meanwhile... You could rent a warehouse, I don't know what the number was, $1,000 probably, something like that. And he would charge admission, and he'd have bands come in and play. And, and of course, it was, I'm sure, drug use there and, and probably alcohol, underage minors, whatever was happening. But people would tell me, listen, your cousin is doing this, your relative is doing this, and we don't know how he's making money. So I had to write <laughs> Right when you're the when you're the doctor, they ask you always about medical stuff. If you're a nurse or a licensed vocational nurse, boy, you get questions. So I was a police officer, so I was always having air. If I got this ticket, well, I was also air. If my nephew, my cousin, my son, what do you think? So I I asked him. I go, so what are you doing? And here's what he said. He goes, listen, air. If uh, I throw these rave parties, I don't ask. They don't tell what kind of drug use. So. An A for effort, A for ingenuity, A for creativity and hard work, maybe a C for where you're putting your efforts, but whatever. All right. We have a 32-year-old son, barely keeps a job for six months. All right. He has enough money to spend on himself, but we don't know where it comes from. Rarely does he ask us for money. Um, My concern is, here it is, my concern is, when the day comes that we both die, how will he know how to save and spend our money wisely? I don't think he has any savings to speak of for himself, and certainly no retirement. He is our only child and will get all of our wealth when we pass away. The difference is it took us a lifetime to save it, and he will get it in a very short period of time. She's talking about when, when they both pass away. Right, he'll go from nothing to probably millions. He was always smart with math in school. He had good grades, and during his one semester of college, he actually did pretty well. But since he that's pretty cute, pretty funny, his whole one semester of college. But since he dropped out, he has lost all motivation for any career or degree. His jobs have mostly been in retail or fast food of some sort. Is there any way we can give him a monthly uh, give him monthly aid instead of giving him the entire amount when we die. Sue and Bob. Okay. This is pretty important, guys, because this is a, you know, you can change some of the numbers around and the, the people around a little bit, but it is a concern a lot of us have felt when you're in your 50s and 60s and your kids, as they call it, failure to launch, I guess they call it that. I think the failure here was many, many years ago. Difficult to say, and change now, right? It's almost impossible because these young people have already created what they call normal. They've already created an opportunity to be lazy and be supported. So they take that as normal. Imagine for a minute somebody called, right, you did your thing, and then whatever you called normal is changed. My dad had to go through that, right? My dad had a job with Iraqi Airlines. That was normal, for 15 plus years or so, normal. 
And then he didn't have a job anymore. Instantly, day one. Iraq invades Kuwait. Offices shut down. His entire pension, 55-year-old man, gone. Quarter of a million dollars, the best I could guess. U.S. government seized property. And by the way, the U.S. government never did give it to my dad. Never. Kept it. Who knows? I don't know what they did with it. It's gone. So... Did he have to start over? Did I witness? Was I on that side of things watching a, a man change? Yes. What did he do? Well, he probably felt sorry for himself behind closed doors. It was, there were probably private conversations with him and my mom for a minute, but we never saw it. Right? I would say he, he felt sorry for himself just because he's a man and a human being. But did we ever see any evidence of that? Nope. Nope. Didn't understand. Saw him go, okay, my family needs me. Have to start again. Have to pick it up. Because that's what you did, right? Grapes of Wrath. Read it. Read the last chapter of Grapes of Wrath. It's evidence of hope. So does this particular young man have any hope? I don't know that. Does he need to have his moment of Iraq invading Kuwait or or a job loss or earth-shattering change in career or a 9-11 type event to change his life? Maybe he does. But here's a question I have, guys. Is he special needs? You guys know that, right? I have a relative that the parents never admitted that the young man was autistic. We, we could see it. I mean, it was obvious, right? He, he, he didn't like being around people. He walked in circles in the backyard when, he, when they were over. Cute little boy, for sure. Always grabbing at his, his uh, pants and his diaper. Wouldn't, didn't want it to sit on him. Wasn't as verbal. But they chose never to treat him that way, never to get him any help. So today he's an adult that with special needs and big problems. So I don't know if he's special needs. Probably not. I don't think so because you didn't mention it. So I'm going to go off of the idea that he's not, that he's just a failure to launch. And here's the issue. This is my experience. He lost all motivation for a career change in his one semester of college. Here's what I think, guys. His issues were way before that. His one semester in college was to make you guys happy. And that was probably the straw that broke the camel's back. His issues were were much more in high school, probably. It's at least what I've seen. So here's what I want you to do. Use this time to test him. You need to kick him out. You need to give him 60 days. You need something on the wall that has those little X light, right? By February... 20th, you're out, whatever the date is, right? And just X, 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 and you just kind of keep on Xing through these days. Hey, six more weeks. Hey, two more weeks. Hey, you got to be out this weekend. And he has to find a place to live. He has to find a job. And he might not do it, right? He could still be somebody just sitting around doing nothing. And this is where the tough love comes in. Just like if you have to drop your son or daughter off at a rehab facility, a six-month or a one-year rehab facility. Just like if you have to take your child and, uh, right, everything's great. 17, 18 years old, you got to drop them off at college. You have to do that. They have to go through this boot camp. Wait, you're not really going to leave me here? Yes. You're in the Army now, son. Yes, daughter. It's college far away from home. You're going to have to figure out your own problems. 
We can talk every day. We can be on the phone. We can FaceTime. And then maybe it's once a week, right? I don't know. You, you eventually get it to where they are on their own. But you guys have to have the 60 days to find a new place to live. Now, usually this is what happens. One of you is tough. One of you is nice. All right. One of you is tougher. One of you is the softy. One of you does stuff behind the back. Usually the one that is the softy, just so you know, is the guilty one. And it's not what you think when I said guilty. It usually means they feel bad and that's how they make it up. They feel bad because they didn't spend the time with him. Uh, usually the person is guilty because they know they didn't do something and they should have, right? They should have taken him to tutoring or, or, or been involved with the baseball team or whatever it might have been. I didn't say founded guilt. Sometimes it's unfounded guilt. It's just still guilt. You still feel like you did something wrong. Well-placed guilt means you did something wrong. And of course you should feel guilty and remorse. But if it's phony guilt, I just feel bad. Why? Because I don't know. I just feel bad. Well, stop feeling bad. That's stupid. Stop that. I feel bad because I wasn't there when he had his, you know, graduated from kindergarten. Okay, tell him you feel bad. Apologize and move on. That's what you have to do. Right? You need to do that so that you can move on to the next phase of life. Uh, That's a very important part. You have to ask yourself, why... Do you feel bad? But here's the change. You ready for this? You got to pack his stuff. 60 days and 60 minutes. If he's not out, the moment he goes to the store, he's out with his friends because he thinks he's not going to take you seriously, right? What you do is you pack his stuff in a couple of gym bags. You pack his stuff uh, in a suitcase or two, put the rest in the garage and immediately you change his room to an office or a gym or a study. And if he says, but what am I going to do, son? I believe you will find a place. And let me tell you, sometimes those kids sleep in their car for a bit. They do. Because they're lost. It's like they're, you just dropped them in Germany and they don't speak German. It's like, I don't know what to do. What do I say? Eventually they learn German. You see, the difference is this. Financially speaking, you guys will take finances and replace it with self-esteem and self-worth. You see, prisons are filled with people with self-esteem, self-esteem, but very few with self-worth. I don't know if you knew that. Right? I think I deserve your purse, so I'm going to take it. I, don't, I, I think I'm worthy of not being a crook. I, I think my parents made me better than that. I have internal values and morals, self-worth. So schools spend forever teaching kids self-esteem. Jimmy, yeah, everybody gets first place. Yeah, participation. Oh, that piece of artwork is beautiful. No, it's not. It's a piece of junk. I mean, listen, you don't want to crush a kindergartner, but you don't tell an eighth grader to keep doing something that they stink at. You just don't. I mean, listen, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, guys, but you don't. When my sister was trying to play the violin, she was horrible at it. Now, you give them a chance to do all right. Okay, you give them a little bit of... And after a bit, you're like, this just isn't going to work. You're horrible. Oh, surprise. That same person is extremely successful in their current field. Can you imagine lying to them for all these years? Don't worry, it's right around the corner. A next contract, you're going to play, you're going to be. 
right? That's one of the biggest challenges in minority communities. Everybody's going to be a professional athlete. Don't worry. You're going to be the next Kobe Bryant. Don't worry. You're going to be the next, uh, you know, Walter Payton. Everybody's got it. Yep, yep, yep. It's coming around the corner. And everybody forgets that sometimes people aren't meant to do something that they like. You can have a hobby. You should always have something to do for fun, something for your time, something for your money. So, Sue and Bob, I think part of the challenge is it's that firmness. So here's what I would do. You tell them. We're going to give the money to charity. Here's a copy of our will, our living trust, and our charity is going to have the money. If by this time you don't have a college degree or get a job or save this much money, whatever your, whatever your values are, right? You heard me say that if my kids didn't have a college degree by the time they were 25, they weren't going to get anything from me. Why? Because I think that means anything in the world of finance or wealth or success or happiness. No, no, it's actually a hindrance because people believe that a college degree is something that it isn't these days. So you have to kind of condition and then uncondition. It's because I never wanted my kids to walk into a room, right or wrong, and, and feel like they don't belong. Right? I wanted them get a college degree in what you like, not what you think is going to give you the most money. Oh, I'm going to be an engineer. I hate it, but I want, I love to this, but I'm going to be, okay, well, get a college degree in what you love, but learn how your money is supposed to work. Learn how to make money, make money. And then you can work in, in a job at a nonprofit that doesn't pay very well because that's not how you're making your living. It's how you're spending your time. For a lot of people, they put those things together. They put them in the same bucket, right? They say, oh, I have to spend money uh, or save money rather from my job. And the only way to get wealthy is to use whatever my job gives me, which is usually a retirement account. And then my boss decides my pay. And then I have to work next to somebody in another cubicle who's a jerk, smells, mean, rude, whatever. And you have to work next to him. Why? Because that's what the rules are. Because you don't own the company. Tough luck. Right, so you learn what matters to you, what do you want to change, what difference do you want to make, and then that's where you go and spend your time. If you tell them, I'm going to give this money to a charity because this is what matters to us, but what about me, Mom? Well, then you decide. You better get yourself together before we both die because otherwise the charity is going to get this money, so you better hope we take our vitamins and exercise because if you don't, charity is going to get the money. Now, internally, if you guys want, if you still think that he's not capable, you can put aside a small trust fund of some of your money. You can say that these accounts, this life insurance, you can put a life insurance policy together that where the beneficiary is a trust, a irrevocable life insurance trust. Okay, it's a little bit difficult to, con- to discuss in this particular format, but you can have a, an irrevocable trust that's to his benefit, right? Where the life insurance is the funding mechanism. Or you can put the tr- the house there, but the point is you can give him a monthly salary if you want, but I would not do it until he improves his life. Here's what a friend of mine did who had two kids. I've shared this with you before. One very well uh, financially set, amazing, sm- balanced, all that. The other one struggling like this young man. And here's what he did. 
He said, hey, guys, when I die, all of my wealth, this attorney group is going to manage it. You come to him each and every year with your W-2s, with your tax returns. And whatever you earned, he will double it. He will give that to you from our estate. So, Susie Q, if you made 25000 a year, you're going to get 25000 from the trust. Uh, Mary, you're brilliant. You made a half a million dollars a year. You have businesses and wealth. Oh, here's a half a million dollars from the trust. So, folks, your inheritance, guess what, is in your hands. So you can tell him the same thing. Every time you make money, you come to the, to the trustee, to the attorney, and you bring your tax returns, and we will double your wealth. If you don't, after 10 years, it goes to charity. Right, so that's an idea. Be firm, guys. I appreciate you listening. Thanks for being part of the show. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Hallaby. Your place for news, talk, and information. The safer money, guys. That's us. Have a great weekend. Thanks to Arab Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.